We have but one reading this morning, and it comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, verses 10 through 15. Listen to God's word to us. Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing, they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Contrary to what a lot of people like to make this passage out to be about, it's not about how much you have and what's going to be taken away, and that's, that's neither here nor there. It's a minor part of that reading. And all it means is that those who can hear God's word and perceive, meet some of the requirements that Isaiah said those folks didn't meet, then more will come to you. But if you don't perceive and you don't take the time to spend with God, with God's word, you're going to lose what you already have. So hang in there. That's not what this sermon's about. Oh, good. When I was eight years old, a friend of mine told me, in no uncertain terms, I was eight, he was six. I'm in third grade, he's in first. He told me he had met a man the day before with his mom from Haiti. Wow, from Haiti. But I didn't believe him. I said, there is no such place as Haiti. Come on, if there was such a place, I would have heard of it by now. I know all the countries. I didn't even know there was a place called Vietnam. But then I did. So I told my mom all about this. And she got out the encyclopedia. I know y'all don't know what that is. <laughs> but you know what Wikipedia is? Okay, it used to come in these books like this. And there would be a whole row of them. And you could go look up all kinds of things. Only they were a little more reliable than Wikipedia. <laughs> so my mom gets out this encyclopedia, turns it to Haiti and hands it to me and says, read this. So I started reading. And it was, I was, you know, third grade, so it took me a little while. And it went on for a while too, and I was reading it and reading it. And finally my mom came back, and I'm still reading. And my mom said, you don't have to read it all. 
Okay, I just wanted you to know there was a place really called Haiti. And I said, I know, but this is interesting. That's been my problem most of my life. I want to know everything. <clears throat> I want to know physics. I want to know astrophysics. I want to know how do you build a pulpit. I want to know all that. So learning about a new place turned out to be far more fun than believing it didn't exist. Far from answering all my questions, all that information just gave me more questions about Haiti. Whoa, what is this place? It looks pretty in the pictures, although they were black and white. We didn't have colored pictures in, in our encyclopedias. But I discovered that the world is far, far more interesting when there's still some mystery to it. Find a, I, I talked about Mauritania last week. I was surprised how many adults didn't know there was such a country. <laughs> kind of scared me. But this world is interesting, and it's made by our God, who is far more interesting. God is more interesting, and our faith is far more fulfilling when we understand there are mysteries to be explored. It's so much more fun to be a Christian and to have a spiritual life that way. One of the hazards that when you become ministers and everything and go to seminary, you will find out. Okay, never mind. You're gonna, you're gonna meet two kinds of Christians in my experience, okay. There are going to be those who automatically assume that you agree with everything they believe. Doesn't matter what it is, how far-fetched, how far away from Reformed theology it might get, they, because they don't know. They're going to assume, well, when do you think the rapture's going to happen? And I look at them and say, it's not, okay? That's not what any of that is about, okay? And then you have to, so now I just say, oh, I, who knows? <laughs> who knows? And there are those who want to show everyone around you that they know more about the Bible than you do. I don't know why. Some of them do actually have a whole lot of the Bible memorized, I think, but what's the point of that if you don't even know what it means? We have to seek out understanding. But the people I, I have found most interesting, and I think you will too, are atheists and agnostics. And I'm not talking about sit down and convert them to believe in Jesus Christ and God and all that. They're interesting because they ask questions about our faith that we're uncomfortable asking ourselves. They ask us questions, how do you know there's a God? Well, that's a question we ought to ask ourselves because the truth is we don't know. There is no objective proof in this world of God's existence. But there is faith. And faith and objective proof are not the same thing. They don't work very well together. 
And so, when we start to explore our faith, we have to start to understand that there are hard questions we need to ask. We know that God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? If you're Presbyterian, you really have to say that. That's an essential. Okay, but how does that work? The Holy Spirit is God, but it is not the Father or the Son. The Son is God, but is not the Spirit or the Father. And the Father is God, but is not the Son or the Spirit. What are we supposed to do with that? I think the answer is we're supposed to explore it, to look at it, to realize there's a lot of mystery there and we may not be able to answer any of it. But delving into it, that's called diving in the deep end. And you can't learn to swim standing in the shallow end. It ain't going to happen. So, I get questions from people who visit the congregation, or actually people who have never been here when they, they always find out I'm a minister. And I don't really mind that, except that everybody's behavior changes. Just like that. Yeah, some don't, especially those who knew me before I was a minister. They still think the minister thing is a joke that I've been keeping going for over a decade now. But one of the things they ask is, how did you get to be a minister? Because they're used to this day and time, people going online and getting a certificate that says, hot dog, I'm a minister, and they are one. And I tell them the process and how complicated it, for Presbyterians, nothing is simple. If you don't have a committee addressing it, it's not worth addressing. But how do you do that? And went through the whole thing and talked about the ordination process and how it's not capricious. We have to pass tests before we can even be considered for ordination, even if we finished seminary. We still have to prove that we finished seminary. And the, this, apparently that diploma doesn't work. I don't know why. But I have concluded that our differences can be addressed simply by what Rabbi Gamaliel says in scripture, that if it is not from God, it will not last. And if it is from God, there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. So the whole idea of what if I ask a question that offends God? You can't. It's not possible. You might make God a little mad in the way you ask once in a while, but God doesn't hold that against us. God works with us and gives us the answers God wants us to have and not always the answers we really would like to have. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you there was an answer to that. But think about it this way as well. We offend God every day, don't we? I do. I, I wish you wouldn't join me, but I'm sure you all have. 
But if it's not what God wants, God will correct us. God will not call down fire from heaven and destroy us or infect us with smallpox or the black death. God's going to correct us. Because God loves us and wants us to do what's right. So let's have a little courage and explore the places, those gray areas, the places we may not ever find an answer to. Let's go there. It's worth it. I get paid to do it, trust me, I do it, and it's worth every minute. It's so much fun to encounter a mystery. And we know that even if we get off track, God's with us and is going to show us the way. So what's wrong with jumping in the deep end? There are questions we can't answer yet, some of which we will never be able to answer. You know what the very worst question in the whole world, I think, where God is concerned is? The questions we don't know enough to ask yet. The questions we don't even know exist. Those are the ones that are worth looking for. So we can explore God's, God's identity and God's mystery and experience the mystery of God's love for everyone. I don't know why God loves you. I don't know why God loves me. I don't know why God loves all these people. It's a mystery. And it's worth exploring because it might help us understand how to do the same. See, those who see but don't perceive, those who listen but do not hear, is that who we're supposed to be? You should be shaking your head now. Okay, otherwise I'm going to go back and repeat this sermon. Okay. Jesus was talking about those who already know there is no such place as Haiti. When we explore our faith, when we accept that God is mysterious and commit ourselves to exploring God's mysteries, then we become changed. We cannot avoid it. We're no longer a people who know. Give that up because you don't know. I'm sorry. We become at that point a people who believe and understand that what we believe does not make it so. It makes it true for us. And we hang all of our hope on that. Trusting God. And when we do explore those mysteries, Jesus will heal our unbelief and help us in our unbelief. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. The Son of God the second person of the Trinity, being very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him humanity's nature with all the essential properties and infirmities thereof. Yet being without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, 
of her substance. God and humanity were inseparably joined together in one person. Which person is truly God and truly human, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and humanity.